Pastor Leon and his wife Sheila founded Gospel Tabernacle Church in 1982 in the heart of Lawrence, South Carolina. Since then, the Lord has richly blessed and increased the ministry and family of Gospel Tabernacle Church. Here at Gospel Tabernacle, we believe in the power of the Word of God to change the hearts and lives of believers. Gospel Tabernacle is a family church ministering to the whole family through the charismatic teaching ministry. Today's message will grow your faith and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit. Hey, good morning. How's everyone doing? Let me turn on Instagram over here. Hope you're doing well. Hey, thank you, Miss Suzanne. I'm glad you enjoyed that teaching last night. I uh, had the opportunity to share last night, and I decided just to keep on going with what we've been talking about. And uh, I enjoyed it as well. Um, I'm thankful that you joined in and watched. I'm assuming maybe on the replay being at nighttime service. But um, good to see everyone jumping on. Let me know you're watching. Give me a hello in the comment section or you know, a hand emoji, wave in the comment section. Let me know that you're watching. Uh, but I hope you're having a wonderful day so far today. Uh, a wet Thursday. Um, what, do you, what do you think? You think this rain's going to turn? Hey, Letitia, hope you're doing good today. You think this rain's going to start to freeze? You think it's going to freeze? You know, earlier this week I had a little flurry of snow on my weather forecast on my phone app. Hey, Miss Sarah, good to see you. And earlier this week, uh, there was a snow flurry uh, saying that, hey, you know, maybe there's going to be some more snow, which for South Carolina, that snow in, you know, week after, in the same week, wow, you know, what happened? We're the, we're the deep south, right? We don't see that white stuff fall from the sky very often. But now the, the uh, weather forecast has changed, so it's just wet. It's just wet, which is better than freezing rain. I like the snow. I could care less about sleet and freezing rain. You know, I don't want to have the road shut down and slip and slide and walk out to my mailbox and become a, a real good joke for my whole neighborhood when they see me slip and my feet come out from under me and my feet go above my head and I fall. <laughs> so I could care less if it's freezing rain, but I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit of snow again. Who knows? It's early in the winter. We're right in the middle of winter. January, just, just right in the heart of winter. And I think February is usually, man, usually February is the cold month, right? All right. Oh, we've got more t more coming. All right, I hear you, Gabe. More coming. I know uh, I saw JKD. He wasn't able to get in a few days there with the, with the snow and the ice making it a hazard. But, hey, that's a great way to learn footwork, right? Slipping and sliding on the ice. Hey, Laura, good to see you. Love you. I can't, I can't, uh, I can't address my wife just like any other uh, viewer, any other friend, obviously. So you get the special greeting, Laura. All right. Well, hey, I'm excited. We're into another study today on this series, When You Pray. And today we're going to talk, as you can see from the title, the power of the Word of God in prayer. The power of the Word of God in prayer. We're going to be talking and studying and working through some points here that shows us just how true the, and how powerful the Word of God of prayer is. I may or may not have videos of such footwork. I hear you, Gabe. <laughs> But we're going to talk about the power of the Word today. So, of course, before we get started into the broadcast, if you haven't, go ahead and share. Share on Facebook. That helps us. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. 
Uh, it's continually growing uh, month after month, and we're thankful for that. We're thankful that God's giving us increase. That's what we want. We all want to have a larger and larger platform to teach the Word of God and tell more people about His glorious gospel and the salvation that's found in Christ Jesus. And so if you're watching on Facebook, make sure you share the broadcast. Get your Bible ready. Get something to take some notes down with. And we're going to get right into the teaching today. Again, we're talking about the power of the Word of God in prayer. And we're going to begin the same place we've begun uh, these past nine sessions. Today is the 10th teaching session, the 10th time we've come together to study this series, When You Pray when you pray. And we're going to begin at the same place each time, and we're going to do that today as well. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Let's begin. Let's go ahead and begin. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, the fakers, the pretenders, those people who pretend to, you know, do work with God, do things with God. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Surely I say to you, they have their reward. And what, I mean, I've mentioned this every time, but what a worthless reward. You know, I understand we want people to think well of us, but let people think well of us because we have a good report with God, because we have good character, because we show forth the love of Christ, not because we're trying to be men pleasers, people pleasers. That'll get you nowhere in, in, the, in life. That will get you nowhere with God. But that's what these people were doing. And Jesus is making a warning here. Don't be like these hypocrites. They're just playing the game. They're trying to play a game with God. And it's worthless. The reward they get comes from man. And here's the thing. If man gives you a reward, man can take it away. And I don't want, any, I don't want that reward that man will give out based on whether I have his acceptance or not. Jesus says this in verse 6. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who is in the secret place will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. And Mark 11, verse 24, another hallmark scripture that we're using in this time of study on prayer. Mark 11, verse 24, just a powerful prayer promise. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. Now, Today we're talking about the power of the Word of God in prayer. The power of the Word of God in prayer. I want you to understand this. This is the first point. I want you to put this in the comment section. Go ahead and type it out for your sake, your memory. The first thing I want you to type out today is this. God's Word is the raw material of prayer. God's Word is the raw material of of prayer. Put that in the comment section. God's Word is the raw material of prayer. Just like, you know, you have, think about steel, you know, iron work, or if you have iron, you have metal. 
you get this iron ore out of the ground. In fact, it has sediment, it has rock, it has all this stuff that can't be used uh, around it. And it has to be formed and fashioned and purposed and melted down so that you can get the iron ore. And when that iron ore is melted down, there's the raw material of what may be a steel beam that you can then build uh, uh, you know, a building with, a structure with. Same way with you're building a house. You know, you've got to have two by fours and two by sixes, two by eights and trusses. And you've got to have flooring and insulation and shingles and tar paper. You've got to have electrical wire. You have all these raw materials that are necessary. And you bring all those materials together so that you can build and construct this house. And God's word is the raw material of prayer. We've been, think of it in that way that God's word is just like the two by fours and the 16 penny nails and the shingles and the sheetrock and and the drywall mud and electrical work and the plumbing. All, All these raw materials that you bring together to build a house. God's word is the raw material of your prayer life. You take the word of God. Hey, Brother Al, good to see you, Toby, as well. You take the word of God. And you begin to apply it and implement it in your prayer life. And you use this raw material, the Word of God, to build a strong prayer life. And God's Word is just like those those materials you use in building. Just like when you're forming and fashioning something. It's the same way, you know, you think about like a potter who makes things out of clay. And you see those cool wheels that they move with their foot and it spins and they've got real wet clay and wet hands, and they begin to form and fashion, and the potter forms and fashions this pot into whatever kind of vase or anything that they may be making. But what do they must have? They must have that clay. And that clay is the raw material of what will become a vase. What will become, you know, this object to hold, I guess, a vase. I, I, I don't really know of any other clay items. I mean, I guess a sculpture or something. I don't know. But on those turning tables, it's, it's going to be round, right? If it's going round, it's going to be round. Hey, Miss Shirley. Good. Hope you're having a good day today. And God's Word is the raw material for our prayer life. I want you to see this. In 1 Peter 1, verse 22 and 23, we see about the truth and the power of God's Word in that it is alive it is living and it is enduring. 1 Peter 1, says this, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, that's the word, through the Holy Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed or seed that can perish, but of incorruptible, imperishable seed, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. The word of God is unchanging. The word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because he who spoke the word, God, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the word of God is living and enduring. It is lasting. And when you build your prayer life, when you build your prayers on the Word of God, your prayers will be living and enduring, just like the Word of God is. When you build a house, a house is the materials that you brought together to construct this house. 
And when you bring together the Word of God to your prayer life, your prayer life is the Word of God because it's made up of you praying God's Word and God's will. And, and this is just the point-blank truth of it. Our power in prayer is God's Word. That would be something good to put in the comment section. Type it down so you remember it. Our power in prayer is God's Word. Because God answers our prayers when they match or line up or are in the same accord, unified with His will. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 tells us that. When our prayers are in unity with God's will, then He answers our prayer. So the power that we possess in prayer is the Word of God. He has given us the power that get, brings us to a place, a lifestyle of answered prayer. Our power, and I see you typing that in the comments now, our power in prayer is the Word of God. Apart from praying on the Word of God, God doesn't fulfill feelings. God does not fulfill baseless desires. God does not fulfill demands apart from the Word of God. God fulfills His Word. God doesn't fulfill opinions. God doesn't feel begging. He fulfills His Word. He watches over His Word to see it come to pass. He doesn't watch over the opinions of people, the thoughts of people, the feelings of people. He watches over His Word to see His Word come to pass. And our power in, the word, in prayer is the Word of God. Point blank. Our power in prayer is the Word of God. Now, the second point I want you to see today is this. Concerning the power of the Word in your prayer life. Type this in the comment section. This is the second point I want you to see today. God Himself, when you think about the Word of God, it's God Himself speaking in His Word. God Himself is speaking in His Word. Put that in the comment section. God Himself is speaking in His Word. Obviously, the words, it is the, you know, we call the Bible, we might say the Bible, or we very easily just interchangeably call the Bible the Word of God, which it is. It is the Word of God. Jesus told us when He was being tempted by Satan, there's three different times at the end of this 40-day time of prayer with fasting. He told Satan, look here, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word of God that proceeds every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And God is himself is speaking in his word. It's not just, well, you know, really good people wrote this down. and Oh, well, there's a lot of good ideas in here. Well, this, is, this has a lot of, you know, great thoughts, motivational, inspiring messages. No, this is the word of God. Your Bible, when you're holding your Bible, you're holding the divine inspired, inerrant Word of God. Wow, what a treasure. What an absolute treasure you possess every time you open the pages of your Bible. Because it's God Himself, God Himself speaking to me. Every time I open the Bible, God's talking to me. Every time I open the Word of God, 
God's speaking to me. He, he's talking to me. He's, ri- he's written it to me, not to someone else. The Bible clearly tells us that, that no prophecy is of private interpretation. There is no prophecy of private interpretation. No, the word of God has been given to mankind. And as Jesus said, let those that have ears to hear, hear. Hear God, hear the voice of God speaking you, speaking to you in his word. Now notice this, uh, the, the word of God makes this plain. John chapter 1 verse 1. There's a lot going on in the, just in this one verse of John chapter 1. John 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Of course, we see the Word became flesh, verse 14, and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So Christ Jesus, who was the Word and still is, He became, He was born into this earth as the Son of God, taking on flesh. But God and the Word are one, just like the Father and the Holy Spirit are one. They, you know, we serve three persons in total unity. We serve Jehovah, who is three persons in perfect total unity. And the Word is not a lesser thing than God. Understand, you know, what John 1's talking about is, he's talking about God himself, the Word, became flesh. And God has, spoke, has spoken to us through his Word and continues to speak to us through his Word. Think about Elijah and in 1 Kings 19, after Elijah has that great showdown on the mountain where he calls down fire onto that wet sacrifice and God just consumes it with holy fire. And the entire nation of Israel turns and repents that day. And they do judgment against those prophets of Baal and the prophets of Astra. And afterwards, Jezebel gets upset says, I'm going to kill Elijah. He'll be as dead as those prophets he killed if, by sundown. If not, I, you know, I'm not queen. And so Elijah runs, unfortunately. He had that massive victory, but he allowed the words of Jezebel to, to make him fearful. And he runs. And he ends up going to this mountain place, and he sees, what does he see there? He sees thunder. He sees lightning. He sees fire. He sees wind. But God's voice is not in any, any of those things. And after all those things... All those powerful displays of power and might. God's voice comes in a still, small voice. You know, the Lord is speaking, and He speaks to us through His Word. And take that seriously. You know, when you're reading your Bible each day, you're working through your Bible through the year, take it seriously. Lord, this is you speaking to me. I thank you. You know, you can pray that. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that I hear your voice today. When I'm reading my Bible, I pray that I hear you speaking to me. In these words, tell me, talk to me, show me your truth, make it real, make it available to me, make it plainer than I've ever seen it before. Let me see truth in your word that I've never seen before. Give me direction, give me insight, show me what to do, how to live, where to go, what what I should say, where to be at the right time. Show me in your word, because it's God himself speaking to you through the vehicle of his word. Now notice this, third point, third point, moving right along. 
The Word of God, this is the next thing I want you to type down for me. The Word reveals God's nature. The Word reveals God's nature. The Word reveals God's nature. If you listen on the podcast, just say that out loud wherever you're at. The Word of God reveals God's nature. It's important that you grasp that concept. If you don't attach the nature of God to His Word, there'll be two separate entities in your life. And you'll think that God will just, you know, just does whatever He does, and we don't know, and it's just the, the you know, perniciousness of God. He just, whatever may be, will be, you know, say la vie, whatever will be, will be. Who knows? Who knows, after all? You know, God just does all these mysterious things. There are mysteries in Christ and mysteries in God. But the nature, His nature is not mysterious. His nature is revealed in the Word of God. Meaning that when we study the Word, we learn about God Himself. Because we know this, if God did something for one man, He'll do it for another. Because God is not a respecter of persons. Think about that. God doesn't play favorites. Are you thankful God doesn't play favorites? I am. He doesn't play favorites. If you meet God on His terms, like any other man or any other woman has, He will answer you in the same exact way in power and might as He did answer someone else. Because God doesn't pick and choose and play favorites. Maybe I'll bless you. Maybe I'll bless you. Who knows? Who knows? No, God is faithful, and we know God's faithful because His Word has revealed His character, His nature, His thoughts, His heart, His actions, His will. We see who God is by His Word. We learn who He is by His Word. Now, Numbers 23, 19. This is a powerful promise in the Word of God. And I would commit it to memory. I would keep it, hide it in your hearts. Amen? Hide the word in your heart that you might not sin against the Lord. Hide this promise in your heart. Keep it in your mind. Let it renew your mind. Many of you probably heard this, but this, this is what, by the Spirit of the Lord, Balaam, this prophet who ends up becoming a, a backslidden prophet, but even in this process of him trying to make some money instead of following the word of God and being obedient, the Lord still demands of him to speak his truth. In Numbers 23, 19, Balaam makes this point uh, uh, under the, the weight of the Holy Spirit speaking through him. Verse 19, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. He has said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. He has said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? From right there, I can see that when God speaks, then he will fulfill what he's spoken. That means anytime I go through the word of God, as we saw just the other day, anytime I see a promise in the Word of God, I know that in Christ Jesus, it's yes and in Him, amen, to the glory of God. 
So it's not like, well, I don't know if, you know, I know God made that promise to, to so-and-so, but I don't know if he'll do it for me. No, if God has spoken, is he not going to do what he said he'll do? I like that. Will he not make it good? If God puts his word out there, he's going to make his word good. He's not going to lie to you. God never has and he never will lie. God will not lie to you. God's not going to tell you one thing and someone else another thing concerning his principle, his nature, his character. Understand, God gives specific instruction concerning people's lives. You know, like, hey, you live here. You, this is what I've purposed and called you to do on the earth. You do this. This is what I want you to do in my church. You do, serve this way in my church. God gives you specific instructions to your life. But in principle, in character, in nature, God does not change. And he will not say something and not fulfill it. He will not tell you, thus saith the Lord, and not make it good. And in, in, even today, it does not matter when God has spoken the word. Because we saw, we opened up the study with, God's word is living and enduring, meaning that if God said it 3,500 years ago to Father Abraham, it's still, it is still to this day good enough for me to believe. It is still to this day living and enduring and carrying the anointing and the power of God so that I can believe and receive in the same way by faith that some other man or woman of God received by faith. Because God will not allow his word to become a lie. He will not allow his word to not be made good. God will not allow his word to not be made good. And that reveals to me who God is. That one passage right there, you can create an entire scriptural, foundational understanding, doctrine of who God is. He is who he says he is, and he'll do what he says he will do. Now, think about that in comparison to some phony doctrine of devil, religious, silly, stupid sayings. Well, we just never know what God might do. Oh, we don't. As if God has not given us 66 books, 1,189 chapters of his word that describes to us how he interacts and intervenes and works with man. We got a real good idea of what God will do. We have an excellent idea of what God will do. We have a wonderful idea of how God responds to faith. We know point blank what God will do when someone prays the prayer of faith, believing Him. He'll answer it. We just never know if God might answer. Who knows? Maybe he will, maybe he won't. Oh, if it only is the will of the Lord, but who knows that great mysterious will of God. We know a lot of his will. We can see it time and time again, page after page after page, the will of God. We know, beloved, I wish above all things that you be in health and be prosperous even as your soul prospers. Oh, well, that was John just opening up a letter to the church. Oh, so that first verse of that particular book, you're going to say is not anointed by the Holy Spirit, but the rest is. Look, friends, when you start picking and choosing what you believe to be inspired and true and not in the Word of God, you have lowered the Word of God from its rightful place, which is 
the Word of God. You have lowered it to something man-made when you say, oh, you know, that part of the Bible, ah, you know, you, that was just uh, something someone said. You can't really take that one to be personal. Well, why not? Why can't I take, the, take it personal? You know, Jeremiah 23, um, tw- excuse me, Jeremiah 29, 11, a lot of people quote, and a lot of people badger people for this, you know, for the plans I have for you are good plans, plans to prosper you and give you a good end. And people are like, yeah, but they, he was talking to Israel. You have no right to believe that now for today. He was talking to Israel. So God has good plans, plans to prosper Israel and bring them to a good end but no one else. Oh, so God had a favorite. Okay, gotcha. So when it says in the book of Romans that God has no favorites, that God is not a respecter of persons, he wasn't telling the truth? No, you can see principle throughout the Word of God. And this is how you dissect the Word of God. 2 Timothy 2.15, this is how you rightly divide the Word of God. This is how you take the Word of God and you separate it by the power of the Holy Spirit, say, oh, okay, Lord, I see. This is how you feel about sin. This is how you feel about faith. This is how you feel about, um, you know, the church. This is what I'm commanded to do when I interact with unbelievers. Okay, this is how I'm to live my life. Oh, okay, These, this is how I'm to enter into prayer. Ah, I got you. That, oh, your will is to me be baptized and filled to overflowing with the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, got you. The Word teaches us the will and nature of God. Now, next point. Type this one. This is an easy one to put in the comment section. The Word is alive. The Word is alive. The Word is alive. We're in numbers. Let's flip right over to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy 32 46 and 47. Moses is rehearsing all this law to to the people of Israel before they enter into the promised land. He's giving them God's word so that they can be prosperous and that they can take the promised land that God's given them. God has given them their inheritance. Now they just have to possess it. That's how faith works. We see what God has given us and then by faith we possess it. It's ours, but we take it. We grab a hold of it by faith. And Moses is reminding them, you're going to take this land by faith in the law and the word and commands of God. And then after he rehearses the word, the law to them, he makes this point. Verse 45 of Deuteronomy 32. Moses finished speaking all of these words to all of Israel. And he said to them, set your hearts on all the words which I testify among you today, which you shall command your children to be careful to observe all the words of this law. Parents, grandparents, you have a responsibility to God to teach your children, your grandchildren, the word of God. Verse 47, or excuse me, verse 46, command your children to observe the law And all the words of this law, verse 47, For it is not a futile thing, or a vain thing, or a worthless thing, because it is your life. The law of God, the words of this law, is your life. And by this word you shall prolong your days, 
in the land which you cross over the Jordan to possess. The word of God is alive. We see that in Hebrews chapter 4, 12, right? The word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, right? Separating, cutting asunder, joint and marrow, separating, discerning the thoughts of men. The word of God is alive. The word of God is your life. The word of God is my life. The word of God will prolong my days. And think about that. At this point, Joshua and Caleb, we can't get real deep into it. You could go see it yourself in Numbers 13 and 14. But 45 years before this point, Israel should have already been in the promised land. When they came out of Egypt, it should have been a couple week journey to the promised land. But because of the doubt of this nation of Israel, they lost their opportunity to inherit the promised land. And so they wandered around in the wilderness until that generation of doubting men who were warriors who were supposed to go take the promised land all died out, except for two, Joshua and Caleb, who had a different spirit. What was their spirit? They believed the word. And you can see, man, I love Caleb. I love him. Because you see him, he takes the promised land. 45 years later, 45 years later, he tells Joshua, Joshua, you remember what the word of the Lord from Moses came to you and me. And those mountains over there where those giants live, that's my section of the promised land. Do not allow some young whippersnapper. At this point, he's at least 85. Or we think, we think he's roughly 85. 80 to 85 years old. And he said, you don't let a young man take it because I am today just as strong to go in battle and come back alive out of battle. I'm not going into battle to die. I can go in and come out and I can take that promised land. And he did. And he struck down those giants and he took that portion of his inheritance of the promised land that he had waited on for 45 years. And how was he able to do that? The word of God carried him while all of the, his other, while every other man in his generation doubted the word of God, except for Joshua, Joshua and Caleb were carried by that word. Think about that. That's so powerful. How you receive the word of God will determine whether it carries you or not. If you receive the word of God as just some other word, or eh, I know God says that, but I just don't, it's too good to be true. If you don't receive the Word of God as the Word of God, alive and powerful, able to carry you, it won't. But if you do, and I believe you're watching me now because you believe in the power of the Word of God. If you receive the Word of God as it is, the Word breathed on, spoken to me by God, it will carry you to the promised land. It will give you strength and take you in to your inheritance and you receive it by faith. And that's what it did for Caleb because he heard. He heard and he obeyed these words of God that came through Moses. Hey, Moses is saying this, this word is your life. The word is not just alive, but the word is your life. If you're a Christian, the word of God is your life. It doesn't just make me alive. The word of God is my life. The word of God is 
my life. Notice this. Jesus said the same thing. He makes the exact same point in John chapter 6, verse 63. John 6, verse 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. The Word of God is spirit and life. The Word of God that's being spoken to us right now is spirit and life. The Word of God that's being spoken, the Word that you're hearing right now coming from my lips to your ears, into your heart, it's life. The Word of God is life. We see that, right? What, what did God send? Notice this. <laughs> what did God send to save the world? His Word. The Word became flesh. Psalms 107.20 tells us that, prophesies of that. God sent His Word and healed them of their diseases and delivered them from their destructions. God sent His Word. What did Ezekiel say? Over 50 times in the book of Ezekiel, over 50 times the prophet Ezekiel says, and the Word of the Lord came to me. What does God send? God sent a Word to Moses. Moses Go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. God sent his word to Moses. What did God send to Abraham and Sarah that made them have the promised child Isaac in their old age when Sarah was well past childbearing and they couldn't produce children? God sent his word. Father, uh, Abraham, you will, you shall be a father of many nations. He sent his word. He sent his word. What does God do when he wants to bring life to a situation? He sends his word. What does, God want to, what does God do when he wants to bring life to you? He sends his word. Because in the vehicle of his word is the life of the spirit of God. In the vehicle of his word is the life and spirit of God. And that Word of God will carry you. It will carry you from day to day. It will carry you from one pandemic to another. It will carry you from one news headline to another. It will carry you from one victory to the next. The Word of God will cause you to triumph and to come out on the top victorious time and time and time again. The Word of God will carry you because the Word of God is alive and powerful. Now, we've, we've talked on this, uh, uh, we, we've discussed this point uh, one or two times earlier in this week, but it stands uh, to, to reason to say it again because it's so true and it's so powerful. Romans chapter 10, you, I'm sure most of you probably know this by heart at this point. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. This is the next thing I want you to put in the comments section. Type this out. The Word builds faith. The Word builds faith. You know, we talked at the beginning when we opened up this teaching this morning. The Word of God is the raw material of prayer. Just like you have raw materials that you put together to build a house, the Word of God builds faith. The Word of God is going to build the faith life, the house of faith that your life will dwell in. Romans 10, 17. So then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If you want faith in God, hear the Word of God. 
If you want faith in God, hear the word of God. If you want faith in man, hear the word of man. If you want faith in the world system, listen to the world system talk. If you want faith, you know, in your favorite, uh, you know, you can get down to any level. You want faith in your favorite football team. Listen to all the guys who commentate and like your football team, and they'll build you up. You want faith in your favorite, you know, heavyweight boxing champion. Listen to the guys around him, and they'll, man, that guy, he can, he's got a heavy right hand. Let me tell you something. That heavy right hand, no one can stop that. No, you better move, because when that guy throws that right hand, you're getting, you're getting taken out. You know, you, you build up, oh man, oh, you kidding me, yeah. That guy's not going to win. My guy's going to win. You tell, look, he's got a heavy right hand. You rehearse what you've heard. The words that you hear builds faith in whatever the word you're hearing is about. The words that you hear builds faith in whatever you're hearing a word about. Right? Hey, don't go down that road. You need, you need to take a bypass. If you go down this, this road's out. There's trees down, snow and ice has pulled all these trees down. There's no way to get down that road. Okay, thanks, appreciate it, man. I'll, I'll go this way and detour my way around, right? Why did you not go the normal path you normally go? Because someone gave you a word. You didn't experience it. You didn't even see it. You just, there's just a guy out there with chainsaws and, and trucks clearing everything out. Hey, we're down here working, clearing out woods. You can't go down this way. There's trees everywhere because of the ice storm. Oh, okay, appreciate it. A word changed your direction. You heard a word, chose to believe it, and then changed your direction. And it's no different. It's no different than with the word of God. The word that I hear, and I'm going to choose to hear God's word, when I hear God's word, it changes me. It builds up my faith. It builds up my faith. And you can't receive from God apart from faith, right? We can't please God. Notice this. We're talking about prayer. We're talking about how to build a strong prayer life. We've been doing this for 10 sessions now. Got one more tomorrow and one Sunday. We're going to have 12 total on this. Praise the Lord. And we could keep going if we wanted to. It's such a deep subject. But notice this. The Bible doesn't say, and without prayer, uh, you can't please God. It doesn't say that, does it? It says, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. It doesn't say, but without giving, it's impossible to please God. No. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. But without serving your church, which you should, it's impossible to please God. Not what's written. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We have to have our faith built up because it is faith is the foundation of our prayer life. And we can't have faith in just anything. We have to have faith in the Word of God because the Word of God is the raw material of our prayer life. And when we build up our faith in the message of the Word, man, I go into the prayer, my prayer closet ready to take on anything because I have faith in the God that I'm speaking to, in the God that I serve, in the God who has called me Son, and I call Him Father. All those things I just said have come to me by the Word of God that I have faith in. Notice this. Faith is simply taking God at His Word. That's all faith is. As I hear the Word of God 
and hear the Word of God, my faith gets built up, and then I take action. And that's all faith is. It's just believing that God is honest in what He says. You know, it's what the Bible talks about in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. I'm not walking by sight. I walk by faith, not by sight. I'm walking by faith, not by sight. I'm not using these flesh eyes to direct the path of my life. I'm using the Spirit, my Spirit connected to the Holy Spirit, instructed by the Word of God, leading me in the right path that I should go. All right, next point. Sixth point today. Put this in the comment section. The Word teaches us about prayer. 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 Everything, everything we've done so far and listened to and studied today has been from the Bible, obviously, on purpose. Now, I've, you know, I've, you know, I may get, give, gave that quote of John Wesley where he said, it seems that, it appears that, God does no thing on the earth unless man first prays it. You know, or, or I gave also that quote that Bloody Mary, Mary Queen of Scots, said about John Knox. I fear the prayers of John Knox more than all the, all the allied armies of Europe. So, I, you know, I understand that. But everything that we've been talking about and listening to is based on the Word of God concerning prayer. I don't want, you know, I, I, I enjoy hearing about, you know, people's testimonies experiences obviously i like to hear i like to hear personal experiences that people have but that is not i don't ever elevate a personal testimony whether it's mine yours or any other precious person that loves the lord the testimonies of people are necessary they 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 don't build faith like the word does they just encourage and excite us because we hear the Word of God being acted out in people's lives. It doesn't replace. Testimonies don't replace the teaching of the Word. But it's, yeah, I enjoy hearing these testimonies. I understand that. But everything we learn from prayer, it always needs to have a scriptural foundation. Because I know that if I go to the Bible to get instruction on how to pray, I ain't going wrong. I'm going to get it right. I'm going to get it correct. If I do the, the way the Bible says to pray, if I pray the way the Bible tells me to pray, I'm going to pray it the right way. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to get it right every time. Now notice this. James 5.17 says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He's no different. A mighty man of God. A hero of the faith. But human, just as you and me. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Elijah, we can see this. The, the Bible teaches us from this example of Elijah, this great and powerful prayer request, Lord, stop the rain. And, it, and really, it says he prayed, but when we see the account of it, he, he must maybe prayed before. It says he did, he prayed before. But he goes to Ahab, he said, it won't rain. And he gave that prophetic command and shut up the heavens. Now, he didn't just do it just because he felt like bringing the entire nation of Israel into drought. God's word said, God made a covenant with Israel and said, if 
your hearts turn from me. I'll hold back the rain. And then he said, and he said, but if you will come back and repent, I'll heal your land and I'll bring the rain. When, a, when Elijah, by the Holy Spirit, goes before King Ahab, Israel is deep in sin and idolatry and wickedness. They had turned from God. So Elijah, on the basis of the word, says, it shall not rain. And it didn't, on the basis of the word of God. Then when the fire falls from heaven and the nation, all of Israel, turns their hearts back toward God, that moment when God consumes that soaking wet sacrifice from heaven with heavenly fire and Israel turns and repents, after that, he says, rain's coming. That's when he prays. We talked about that yesterday. He prayed seven times he sent a servant. And on the seventh time, persistence in prayer, he saw something, a cloud the size of a man's hand. It's, here comes the rain. But again, he prayed again on the basis of the word. Israel, if you'll turn back to me and you'll repent, then I'll heal your land. And that's what we can see. The word teaches us how to pray. The word shows us how to pray. Jesus taught us how to pray. Matthew 6, in Luke chapter 11, Luke 18. He teaches Jesus again and again and again, teaches us how to pray. We can see through all the examples in the Bible. We can pick up prayer principles through so much of the Bible and how people interacted with God and always pick someone that gets something from God, which the Bible's filled with it, right? Hannah prayed to God and she was so fervent. You couldn't even hear her voice, but you know, uh, Eli thought this must, lady must be drunk because she just laid up against the altar praying and I see her mouth moving, but I can't even hear her. Well, what is that? Hannah was praying fervently, so fervently. It was her spirit just groaning to God. She couldn't even make the words out, but her spirit was crying out to God. That's prayer. And she got a son, what she asked for. She got six children, actually, if I'm remembering correctly. She didn't just get one. She got six of what she asked for. We can see that over and over again. We see Moses, and we see... Um, we see Moses and we see Jonah and we see different prophets in the Old Testament who gave a word and they prayed to see Israel saved and it was. You know, we see how people interact with God. We see David. When he did those atrocities and those sins, he quickly repented and God created in him a clean heart. Well, we, so we can see the prayer of repentance from that. We can see how to pray through God's word. And we learn this. Romans 8.32 tells us that if God has given us his son, the greatest gift he can give us, his son, what good thing would, it, would he withhold from us now? The word of God teaches us that prayer gives us access to everything God's made available to us. Now last, last, this is the last thing I want you to put in the comment section as we come up on the one o'clock hour and we're about to go together in corporate prayer and pray and continue to pray as I felt led in my, and continue to feel led in my spirit to pray for the church, specifically the body of Christ in our church and in, in this nation, America. But before we finish, I want you to see this last point. Put this in the comment section. The word prepares, listen up, the word prepares the prayer, P-R-A-Y-E-R. The word prepares the prayer to pray. The word prepares the prayer, P-R-A-Y-E-R. Write it like that, it'll make sense. 
The Word of God prepares the prayer to pray. The Word of God prepares the prayer, me, to pray. The Word of God prepares the prayer to pray. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 is where we end today. Romans 12, verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world. Don't be like this world. Don't allow the world to affect you. Don't allow the world to change and influence you. You change and influence your world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, be changed, be miraculously changed. Now, how are we changed? By the renewing of our mind. By the renewing of our mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We are transformed. That word transformed, metamorpho in the Greek, it's used one other time. It's used two other times in the New Testament. It's used in the Mount of Transfiguration. I believe it's Matthew 17 when Jesus goes up to that mount and he sees and has a heavenly encounter with Elijah and Moses. And Peter then has this great idea. Lord, let's build three temples for you, for each one. If you ever heard of a pagan thing, that surely was pagan, right? Let's build a temple to these men. But it was so glorious. And of course, the Father speaks out from heaven and says, this is my son. You know, listen to him. I've called him. And Jesus, no, no, we're not going to build temples for everybody. But Jesus has changed and glorified. There's one other time this this word transformed is used in the New Testament. And it's 2 Corinthians 3.18 when it says that we look into the Word of God and it transforms us just like a mirror helps us change the way we look. The Word of God transforms you and I. The Word of God transforms you and I. The Word of God makes the prayer ready for prayer. If I want to be ready for prayer, the Word of God will transform me to be ready to pray. Man, that's powerful. I I feel like I say that word powerful over and over again and have been these past several weeks. I keep hearing myself back in the replays saying powerful, but I don't, I might've lost for words. Uh, It is. It's just so, the word of God is so life-changing and transforming. The word of God will carry you, strengthen you, empower you to win empower you to do what God set before you to do. Uh, I'm at a loss for words. The miracle working power of God invested in his word, made alive in us by the Holy Spirit. Oh, the word is bread to my spirit. The word is food and nourishment to my spirit. Uh, Jesus's word is so true. We don't live by bread alone. We don't live by just what we can put in this body. We live by the breath and the word and the life and the spirit of our Father who indwells and inhabits us, the Holy Ghost living in us, empowering us, baptizing us in power. My, 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 my. Well, praise God. We're going to come to an end today and we're going to pray. I want you to pray with me before you get off, before you finish today, before you go back to doing what you need to do today, which is all good and right. I want us to take a few minutes and I want us to pray. We've been praying different scriptures uh, for the church. And I want us to pray this. I want us to go to Philippians 4.19. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. 
I'm sure you know it. You probably know it by heart. You've probably heard it dozens of times. Philippians 4.19 says this, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Verse 20. Amen. I want us to pray today. I want us to pray for us, the body of Christ, the church in America, that our needs will be met spiritually, soulishly, physically, relationally, materially. I want us to pray for divine provision to flow into our hands, to flow into our hearts, whatever it is we have need of. Truly, if it's finances, it's money, if it's divine possession of homes, of land, of businesses, let's pray it in. If it's peace and love and joy, let's pray it in. If it's spouses, if it's godly men and women to come for our children, I mean, Naomi, she's all, it's, you know 15 months old. I already am praying for her future husband who, she'll, who she will marry in 49 years. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm not going to make her wait that long. Only 33 years. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Whenever the Lord would have it, see fit. But I'm already praying for this future son-in-law that I'm going to have to hit a couple times. I'm not going to hit him. I, maybe not. Who knows? No, I won't hit him. He's going to be a good one. But I'm already praying, Lord, prepare for her. Prepare for her a man of God. And we can pray that. We need to pray that. Continue. It's not just money. If you need a breakthrough in finances, praise God. Get the word. Live by the word. Practice the word. And pray the provision in. You should. But the word, what God will provide for us encompasses our entire life. You need a job, he'll provide it. You need a home to own, he'll provide it. You need a car, a better car, he'll provide it. Let's pray, going in faith, knowing that God's going to hear our prayers today. Father God, we come before you, Lord, and we thank you, God, that you are El Shaddai. You are the Most High God, the many-breasted one. You are the one who has more than enough again and again. There is no limitation to the treasure and the wealth and the riches of glory that are found in your presence, Lord God. Truly, your word says, in your presence is fullness of joy and pleasures, riches forevermore. Lord, we thank you that you own the cattle on a thousand hills. You own the thousand hills the cattle graze on. You own the gold and the oil and the silver and the precious metals in the thousand hills and you own the thousand hills on the opposite side of the earth of the thousand hills you are ruler you rule and reign lord god and we thank you as members of your kingdom as children of your family as good soldiers of the army of christ just like a soldier does not provide his own ammunition his own weapons his own food his own clothing his own transportation the military military that employs and gives him authority to do warfare provides those things for him. Lord, as soldiers in the army of God, doing your will that you've set before us, we faithfully commit ourselves to your will, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord, that you provide for us everything we have need of, Lord. In Jesus' name, Lord, bring pro divine provision into the hands of the righteous, Lord. Bring divine provision into the hands of the righteous. This month, this year, Lord, let it be a year of divine possession. 
Lord, give us wisdom to start businesses and to make products and to create answers and solutions in the marketplace that will generate wealth that blesses our families, blesses our church, and blesses the work of the gospel and is a blessed to the community and the nation we are in. For we are blessed to be a blessing, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord, that you provide for us everything we have need of. You provide for us health and strength in our bodies. You provide for us hope and peace and joy in our spirits. You provide for us everything we have need of, Lord God. Homes to live in, to own in Jesus' name. Cars that are good and the best of the land and dependable that we can come and go and do the will of God. The hallelujah. We will eat the best of the land as we're willing and obedient to follow your word. In Jesus' name, Lord, we expect it. Divine provision coming in. Even as the prophet Elijah said, tomorrow, what has cost so much today, tomorrow the prices will drop because there'll be wealth coming in. There'll be provision coming in from the camp of the enemy. In Jesus' mighty name, if you believe that and you agree with me in prayer, I not you type amen. Type amen. Hey, as I said, I'm going to be, uh, be back here tomorrow, uh, Friday. Tomorrow, Friday, 12 p.m., we're going to be studying again when you pray. We're going to be talking about a particular subject that um, I haven't talked or taught on a whole lot, but I've experienced it so much in my own life, and I believe it's life-changing, and I believe it's something that much of the body of Christ does not, or a lot of the body of Christ may not know about it or understand it, and I think it's something that is so powerful in your treasure, your tool chest of the spiritual tools God has given us. So come back tomorrow to find out what that is. But tomorrow, and then of course Sunday, I'm going to be finishing up this teaching, When You Pray. Uh, And Sunday, I'm going to be speaking on the power of the name of Jesus in prayer, the mighty name of Jesus that will, that is lifted above every name, that every knee will bow to and every tongue confess. So I'm thankful that you joined me today. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, and I will see you tomorrow. Friday at 12 p.m. on Gospel Tabernacle YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and of course it goes up on the podcast later today if you want to listen to it for the replay there. All right. Hey, I'm so thankful for you. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to this faith-filled message. Please connect with us at our website, gospeltabernaclechurch.com, so we can continue to be a part of your faith walk. And if you're listening today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, now is the time to do that. Now, today, is the day of salvation. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Father, I believe you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins on the cross. And you have raised him from the dead that I might be alive in him. Jesus, I confess you are Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome. You're now in the family of God. You're a child of God. Connect with us. Let us know if you prayed that prayer. We want to be right there alongside you as you walk out this journey of faith in Christ. God bless you. 